Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'd like to talk about neurodiversity. Now, it's a term that's come into common parlance these days, but do you know who first coined it? Well, it was a lady called Judy Singer, an Australian lady who describes herself as being somewhere on the spectrum and was bringing up her daughter as a single parent who was eventually diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. Now, as a sociologist, she had more than a a good understanding of social constructs. And also, she experienced a lot of barriers when it came to bringing up her daughter. Um, Because back then, and we're talking about the 1990s, there was little awareness and little support for neurodivergent people or... In other words, people who were not seen as neurotypical. And what those words mean, and what I understand them to mean, is that neurotypical is what society deems someone to have normal, in inverted commas, uh, brain function. And neurodiversity is a word that describes really the fact that all of us are different and have different types of brains. But a particular person can't be neurodiverse. You might be neurodivergent. And that covers, certainly the way that Judy Singer meant it, covers all of those diagnoses that we see like ADHD, autism, dyscalculia, dyspraxia, dyslexia, and other developmental disorders. Now, I wanted to talk about this because I think it's so important And one of the reasons is that if you look at the numbers of people with diagnoses of the conditions I just mentioned, they are on the rise. And actually, in the 20 years between the end of the 90s and the 2020s, there are some statistical analyses that show that there has been a 100% rise or a doubling in the diagnosis of some of these conditions, ADHD being one of them. So what's it all about? What is neurodiversity? Why is it important these days? And why does it seem to be something that wasn't around, uh, or maybe it was around and we just didn't, we weren't aware of it, but didn't seem to be as prevalent in, say, the 70s and 80s, and now appears to be something that all of us really need to know about. So I'm going to start backwards because I think a lot of people think I'm going to talk about children. I'll come on to children later. But as adults with these conditions, if you fit into one of those categories or you have a diagnosis of one of those conditions I mentioned earlier, 
you could call yourself part of the neuro-minority. So again, that's saying that you're probably not neurotypical in the way that society sees you, but you're in a neuro-minority. I think the terminology around this is important. But if we start with that sort of adult world and you think about your own workplace, for example, or people that you know in your community, all of us are different. And I'm sure that either yourself or someone you know is neurodivergent. Now, when you think about, say, colleagues at work or all these people that you know locally, if, if you're not at work, the thing I always think is that some people have great strengths because they are neurodivergent. So, for example, someone who has ADHD is likely to be a good creative thinker, can get hyper-focused, uh, can be very passionate and has amazing skill in terms of rapid reasoning ability where they can see through problems that others may not. But on the flip side, they may have difficulty with concentration or time management or getting themselves organised. Same goes with dyslexia, for example. Very good at visual reasoning, um, often have great practical skills, excellent at telling stories. But when it comes to memory or organisation or writing skills, not always that strong. And I personally think, actually, if you spot the talent that comes with um, this group of conditions, disorders, whatever you want to call them, you know, we're all different, then that can only be a good thing for the person and the organisation that they work in. But it's interesting, I've been looking for a way of trying to get my head around um, the difference, I guess, not in a good or bad way, but the difference between neurotypical and neurodivergent. And the thing that I found which really makes sense to me, and I'll post a link to this, is what's called a spiky profile. So in some ways you could argue that, I've got to be careful what I say here, that neurotypical people in terms of their IQ, when you look at verbal skills, working memory, visual skills and processing speed, are boring because it's like a flat line. They kind of do okay on all of those areas. But someone who's neurodivergent has what's known as a spiky profile. So they might be very high on one or two of them, but actually quite low on the others. And the more I think about it, the more that rings true in terms of people I know and talents, abilities, strengths, weaknesses. I also want to mention Dr. Hans Asperger. Actually, I mispronounce it as Asperger, but it's actually Asperger, I think. Um, an Austrian doctor. Asperger's syndrome is, is named after eponymously. And he actually described autistic children early on and ran a sort of residential school, if you like, um, with physical activity and a lot of nurturing. And sadly, Asperger's work has been marred by significant controversy that you can see in the show notes. But from what I'd read previously in terms of his approach, generally, he was inclusive in that he saw these children as having 
quite individual disabilities, but also individual talents, and recognising that someone who had autism needed nurturing and support in order to thrive. But have a read of the link in the show notes. Now, I'm all for that. I really am. And what I see, just in terms of graphs, if you look at the graphs of just one of these uh, conditions, autism, let's take autism, uh, the rise in diagnosis is exponential. How do we make sure that neurodivergent people are given equal opportunity in the workplace and in life in general? Now, of course, I don't have the answers, but one of the things I was bouncing around in my head was around the concept of psychometric testing. So in the United States um, and other countries, actually, human resources, often one big part of an HR role is psychometric testing. And they do this really to see if you're suitable for a particular job. So I know there are lots of jobs that I would not be able to do because I don't have the right psychological makeup. For instance, I couldn't be a crane operator. I'm not actually scared of heights, but I just don't like being completely on my own. And it's the kind of task that I think I'd find very difficult. Now, you've got to think ethically here. Is it ethical to psychometrically test people um, for employment? Well, lots of companies do it. So, yes, I think it probably is. And the other thing, I don't know enough about psychometric tests, but if you're able to pick up on someone's talent as well as the things that they're not so good at in those tests, surely that's a good thing. I remember years ago, I did something called a Morrisby test at school. And it kind of lays out areas like verbal reasoning, numerical reasoning, abstract reasoning, just you know how your brain works and what your strengths and weaknesses are. It didn't really mean much to me at the time, but I, I found my report recently and it probably wouldn't have changed my career choice. It may have changed subjects I took at A-level. But in the same way, what you don't want one of these tests to do is write someone off and say, well, you can't be or do this, because I think that's very limiting. Rather, it will just show you what you're likely to be good at. And I think that's something that all of us ought to have access to so that you can get the best out of yourself. Beyond that, I think awareness of neurodiversity is important. I don't think we're there yet. I, I talk to a lot of people who nod to it, but frankly haven't got a clue. And that includes a lot of healthcare professionals as well. So going in the other direction in terms of root causes, you know I love that kind of thing. I'm that kind of doctor. I always want to get to the why of the why of the why. I don't have the answers here, but there are a lot of amazing books out there that give you some insight. One that I particularly love, and I read many years ago, and I've just reread it, is called Scattered Minds by Gabor Mate. And that one is really about the origins of ADHD. And he makes the case that although we're very quick to say that it's mainly genetic, there are other factors that are very important in early life. Then many of you may have heard of The Gaps Diet by Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, who is a parent of a child with learning disabilities. And actually, I read that book in my first two years of becoming a GP. It must have been 2004 or five. But again, really interesting. So all of these 
conditions are multimodal. It's never one thing that gives rise to any particular state of being. I think my final thoughts are that if you think about the world today, more and more, everything is about personalization, the individual and customization. And that goes for what you see on your social feeds. You tend to curate that yourself. What you watch, when you watch it, um, and what device you watch it on. What you eat, your food preferences, allergies, you name it. We have choice. And in the same vein, I don't see why um, the individuality of neurodiversity can't be celebrated. And I think it's very easy for society to just plod on um, for you know neurotypical people it's the same it's exactly the same principle as people with physical disability but a lot more prevalent and you know i still think the world is not thought through from the point of view of someone with a physical disability and we're having to evolve now because of the way that we're evolving and that our brains are changing and i wouldn't call neurodiversity a disability it definitely can be for some people and it is but the principle is making sure that the world is as friendly as it can be in inverted commas for people who are different and that begs the question different to whom or to what okay i'm going to stop rambling there listen i hope that was useful in terms of just laying out what neurodiversity is and you know it's going to become more and more part of the norm and I'm waiting for the day where neurotypical actually isn't neurotypical we're just all neurodiverse because we are we're all different do let me know your thoughts um, let me know if you have experienced any difficulties at work or at school because of a diagnosis and also keep the episode suggestions coming in. I really appreciate them. They really help. And finally, I'm going to leave you with a quote. You know, I like a quote and um, occasionally they're appropriate. I was trying to think of one that sums up neurodiversity. And for me, it's by Chris Bonello from Underdogs. And it's this one. It's really simple. The problems are not the person. I really love that. And I think... If we all thought like that, the world would be a much, much better place. Anyway, until next time, thank you for listening. Do stay well. Look after yourself. Take care. Bye for now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.